Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies from first-time directors, indie, art house, and much, much more. Today on the podcast, we talk the 1993 American romantic comedy, So I Married an Axe Murderer, from director Thomas Slamy and starring the comedically gifted Mike Myers and Nancy Travis. Charlie is a popular beat poet living in San Francisco who lives in fear of hunkering down into a committed relationship when he meets Harriet, he puts aside his gamophobia, eventually asking for her hand in marriage, only to suspect that his fiance may just have a knack for killing her former lovers, and he suspects he might be next on the list. The film was released on July 30th, 1993, and grossed $3.4 million its opening weekend, and brought in over just $11 million in North American box office receipts. I'm Gabe Bienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast. And I'm joined by veteran podcaster and editor, Alan Martindale. And today we have special guest and Mike Myers aficionado and co-host of Talk Music To Me, Jess Screener. You got it. Just like a festival I always, screener. I know, when I see the name though, I want to actually pronounce the I. Like, I know. I don't, I don't blame anyone. It's an Ellis Island name. And so when they do it, I'm like, you know, you had to. It's cool. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't blame oh, that's, anybody. That's already an interesting story. It's an Ellis Island name. So it is. Yeah. You have to tell us that real quick. Give well, us that so, lowdown. So basically, from what I know, our original name from Austria was Scrignari. And so when they came in. That sounds in, almost Italian. I know. When they came in, my, my great aunt keeps telling me that I should go back to it. You never know. I might. That would be cool. That'd be fun. I know. But it's never I- been spelled or pronounced correctly. I don't think because they they just give you they just spell it how they think and then you're stuck with that name from there on out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very much Godfather too. <laughs> yeah. Part two. Cor- Corleone. <laughs> that's, that's. I feel not like I have to. I feel okay, like I but have whatever. To just move on, kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry, Jess. I apologies. I mean, but but I also can sympathize because with a last name like Venendal, it's never been pronounced right my entire life well so. i can imagine i actually got a new one it was frinker frinker oh you did frinker. i you got did. a whole new one like when i at my that's my undergraduate graduation they mispronounced my first name and my last name so badly that i didn't know they were calling me and so i just stood there and none of my family cheered because all of us were standing there going like this and then i just like sadly walked across the stage and it wasn't until i walked off that they figured it out it was so sad <laughs> <laughs> were you still uncertain walking up we were like is this me i Are really they calling was, my name what did she call she called me jessica skinker and, and I'm like, neither of those are your names. Yeah, don't you, ever call me Jessica, and hates, I will get upset. She hates being called Jessica. Yeah, my name's not hates Jessica. It. It's actually just Jesse. <laughs> just Jesse. I Jessie. like it. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep to Jess unless you want Jesse. Oh, no, keep to Jess. This is like the one place I can be just Jess because I have to go by Jesse because there's another Jess in the family. Yeah. It was taken away from me. So every was, time Alan says. It was says, here before you got here. My brother's married to a Jess. So. Yeah. And so it's really funny because whenever I was like, hey, Jesse, and I'm like, why am I in trouble? Why are you calling me by my full name? <laughs> getting the full name, getting the full name coming down. That's right. <laughs> well, well, thanks for joining us. Like, uh, we, you know, we talked about it briefly before. And so I'm glad that uh, 
that you were uh, kind enough to, to jump on with us. I'm so the excited. Thing, I'm delighted. Well, thank you. And, and the other thing is uh, we usually we're picking these kind of really serious toned films mostly. Um, and so it's nice to have something a little more lighthearted to watch <laughs> that doesn't require so much brain power um, in the sense of like something like we, we, I keep going back to this, Alan, but just the killing of a sacred deer. I can't, I'm still, my mind still thinks yeah, about it. Yeah. That's where what my, I was gonna say, even the little bits that you told me, I'm I, still well, like, I was trying to explain it to you. Yeah. And I was like, there's just no possible way I can explain this movie to you. Yeah. There's just no way you have to watch it. It's, it's just crazy. It's just, it's, but it is one of those things where your brain won't turn off even after it's done. So wait, do you guys have like, Still PTSD from the one movie that Alan chose. Martyrs. <laughs> yeah, Martyrs. Martyrs was a, that's when I created the acronym FF. <laughs> no, F it was FFF. That's what it was. FF. Yeah, it was uh, fucking fast forward. <laughs> Mine was freaking walk away. I was like, no, get that away from me. Too much. <laughs> that's a good one too. I think you need one for that movie. So. No, this is a nice one. So like jumping right into it, like tell, why did you choose this movie? Okay, so this movie, I forgot to look up how old I was at the time, but this movie came out and it was just a favorite in our family. And I think it was because personally, I was obsessed with San Francisco. So the fact that this was filmed in San Francisco and it's basically like a tourist guide for San Francisco. So they go to all my favorite places, like the Palace of the Arts and... Um, they just go to every single place that I absolutely adore. And then it has so many lines that you can repeat and do all the voices, which my brother and I absolutely love to do. And there's just so many like bits and pieces of this movie that tied back to our family and what we thought was funny. And so we loved it. It was always on in our house. It was like the one movie that my dad would actually watch and thought was funny because of the voices. Cause Matt and I would do the voices all the time. And then he was a butcher once upon a time. So we would just, he was actually laughing. Your dad or your brother? My dad. dad. (laughs) So when he watched it, he's like, oh, this is actually funny. (laughs) So it was like a cult classic in our house. And then um, the Adams family started that first. And in our house, my mom was horrifically terrified of anything scary. She'd always talk about the Twilight Zone episode with the dolls. So we weren't allowed to watch anything scary in our house, but things like Adam's family and, um, you know, like Beetlejuice Beetlejuice and So I Married an Axe Murderer were like little gateways for me. So I could watch them. They were safe safe without her getting upset. So it was a way to be a little bit morbid, but keep it funny. And then I could actually watch it. So, you know, and plus she liked us doing the voices. If you do the voices for my mom, she'll like love you to pieces. So for w- me, you can't stop loving this movie. I wish that. So there's a lot of nostalgia in it for you. Oh, absolutely. Which is, which is always kind of the, uh, the, the, the foundation of, of especially comedic movies. Like it, when, what happens, and, and especially when it's relatable amongst the family. Yes. Because, because and I can totally uh, see where you're coming from because my brother doesn't live in the state. He lives in Colorado. But every time we get together, we don't even talk in normal, <laughs> just conversation. It's just movie lines. Uh-huh. Back and forth. Yeah. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And then a lot of one-liners, particularly in this movie, and then the accents and all that kind of stuff. So that's a lot of fun. So 
a lot of nostalgia is in it for you. Yes. And this was my, I, I, I know you guys both have this, but my rainy day movie, the movie that you watch when it's raining or you're having a bad day, something that always cheers you up. This is my rainy day movie. I just think it gets funnier every time I watch it. <laughs> you, were, you were laughing. I was laughing you were, so You were hard. laughing at some of the uh, most mundane parts of it too. That's <laughs> That was the thing that got me. I was just laughing at her the whole time. I thought it was, I, that was the funniest part. I bet. I'm not kidding. I probably watched it like over 20 times at least. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be way more than that. So, so, so Alan, tell us, tell us what your association is with this movie. Um, where, where, where are you saying we're not getting anything detailed yet. Just tell me where you're sitting with it and what your relationship with it is. I'd seen it. Uh, and then as soon as I met Jess, I mean, she, she loves this young Frankenstein, um, Wayne's world and the Adams family and the Adams family. Like those are her four big favorites. So I knew she loved it. So she showed it to me and you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I was trying to impress her a little bit. I was, I was laughing. I, I was selling the laugh a little bit. It's, it's so I'd seen it and I, I, I know it and I watched it again. That's all I can really say right now. Without I feel getting personally too attacked. <laughs> <laughs> what, did well, you say, what did you say earlier? When you came down, you're like, so how upset at me are you going to be if I tell I said, the truth? I said, are you going to leave me if I if I give it a bad rating? Because <laughs> this is so this is so ingrained into who you are. It's true. And it's very important to you. I don't want to sink I, your ship. He's going to, though. I can tell. I think I'm going to. He's totally going oh, to. I, I already know the direction he's going. And I'm, sure, I'm sure you do, too. So, Just be prepared, Jess. Just be oh, prepared. Oh, believe me. I've had a lot of the Alan, like, I know you love it, but. Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I'm used to it. I pay no attention. Yeah, yeah you got to. <laughs> I kind of fall in the same boat as you, though, Jess. Maybe not as much, but I I have a little bit of association with this movie, like in junior high, high school, mm-hmm. and watching it with in like sophomore, junior year of high school with friends, and we just thought it was funny. And similarly, like just just looking at the the silliness and the campiness of the characters, and I think what you're alluding to for me is like, and and this is one thing that that I really enjoy about the movie and I'll unabashedly and like unashamed will say that the one rewatching this, I thought I really like Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> She's pointing at me. I know. Cause I know. <laughs> I, know I already know where Alan's going to go. That's fine. I don't care what Alan thinks. <laughs> Mike Myers is, he is um, really good when he's good. Well, and as soon as you said campy, I love campy because my favorite TV show of all time is Scrubs, which is the campiest of all the campy because there's like sounds and like dumb sounds pretty, and people yeah, falling yeah. down. Like that's, I love that stuff. <laughs> the, the, the characters that he makes, I mean, of course the father to the main character, but like when you think of Mike Myers, I get what you're saying, Alan, I can go that direction with you, which is like, there's times where he might, it's hit or miss, but when you're swinging for the fences, right? You're gonna miss. You're gonna. You're gonna win. Sure. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then sometimes you're gonna hit home runs, and so I. But rewatching this, I just thought, and and I said this in the intro, and I kind of thought I think he's comedically gifted. This is a guy that has an ability to kind of create different characters and do the different things, and as silly and absurd as they are, uh-huh. he can do them well. Yeah. Yeah. I. I wait. 
he is really good when he's play, like when he's doing the characters, when he's dressed up, when he's doing Wayne, when he's doing, you know, Fat Bastard or Austin Powers or Dr. Evil. He's really good then. When he's doing the father in this, he's really good. He's not good when he's Mike Myers though. He's he's a terrible actor and it's <laughs> it's almost like he's trying to be like a, a silly character when the role really requires him just to be a human being. Was he a baby actor in this one? Like, was he just getting started? I think this is this has to be a, his first role. Yeah. No, no, he he's done a lot of stuff. Like, if you look at his filmography, I was looking at it just before we started, and he's actually done a lot of stuff. And he started out doing television even as a younger kid. Um, so if you in Canada. So like he did some TV series and they were really minor roles and really, really small, small uh, characters. But he's he's been acting since he was a basically a, a boy. Interesting. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. But also, you got to remember, this comes after Wayne's World. So Wayne's World's already this out was into after the Wayne's World. I didn't realize yeah. it was after. That's why he was still playing Wayne. He was. The, I didn't and, realize how much of Wayne is actually him. Until I saw this. He was destroying the movie for me because he's like, party on Garth. I'm like, shut yeah, well, up. There were times when he would look, when he would look and he, it's it's Wayne, you know? It's it's Wayne. It's just like, excellent. You know, I, know. I just want to. like, shh. Exactly. Shh. It, man, I, I had no idea this came after. That kind of, man, that makes me actually, I, I was going to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. <gasps> I thought this was his first role. And now I'm thinking, man, like. It's gonna Here's the th- well. Here's the thing. Like, what's with that? The the hello, like that is the dumbest. Isn't that for? Don't they do that on Wayne's World? It was. Too? I, I don't know, but he did it over and over, and it's not funny. And the editing did not help it at all. I and I'm my main gripes are the first act. The first act was not done well, and I think a lot of it can be chopped up to direction and editing. I think they could have cleaned up a lot of the stuff in post. I'm also gonna say two well, words. The nineties. <laughs> the nineties. <laughs> that's true. That's that's why Alan loves it so much. Yeah, exactly. that's right. The nineties just brings back so much. It's still trying Don't, to shake us, off us, the stink from we'll, the eighties. Well, walk us through the first act then a little bit, Alan, or at least from the sense of why it wasn't set up well, because that can be. Uh, that can be detrimental. Like if you don't, there's two things going on here. I keep referring back to this, but the killing of a sacred deer, the first act is really slow and boring. True. So, but it's done well still. I know they're completely different things, but it's it's structurally done well. So tell me about why this one structurally doesn't hit the mark. So for me, I don't mind if it's if it's slow. Like I, I can forgive it if it's if it's done well. It's just like it starts out pretty good. You know, it obviously it starts out with the the most ultimate '90s song ever. That there she, there she goes song. Yeah, and I think that's in Dumb and Dumber, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's it is. You know what? It totally is. It totally is. Just don't play a drinking game when you watch this movie. Ex- I, well, we if were that, joking about that. Every time that song every time comes the song on. points take a shot, you're gonna you're not gonna make it through you're the movie. You're gonna die. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but and it actually starts out pretty cool with that shot in the in the the cafe, and it's following the, the little cup around, and it's really cool. Like it's how it's done is really cool, and they fill up the cup, and then it's right by the camera, but it's not spilling, and the whole shot was done really well. I was like, okay. I was going to ask you about that. I can get into this. Because I was watching it through like almost an Allen filter. I was like, back in those days, this was probably a really interesting shot, right? I think it'd be hard to do now. Like, I don't know how they didn't spill that that coffee. Yeah. But then, 
immediately it gets it goes they hand the cup to Mike Myers and he's like, "Hello." <laughs> Excuse me, miss. I ordered this the large or the small cappuccino. I can't remember what it was, and it was just like, oh my god! Like this cannot be the whole movie. I don't remember it being like that. Yeah, but then it's followed up with a great joke where he's like, "You look like Huggy Bear," which is hysterical. But that's <laughs> it's like, why is he wearing those clothes? Like I don't know. that was never okay. That wasn't even okay in the eighties. It's like, still funny. <laughs> and he's wearing. He's- Go he's ahead, an Gabe. undercover cop. Alan. That's right. He's got to look like Huggy Bear. <laughs> exactly. But then the dialogue, and this was my real problem, is the dialogue between he and his his buddy. What's his friend's name? Tony. Tony. Between he and Tony, it's so it's so spaced out. Like one person says something, and then they wait, and then he responds. It's like let's chop this up in the editing. Let's make it a little bit snappier, quicker, and and you got a better scene. But to me, it's just it just wasn't executed well. The movie gets much, much better once we get past all the exposition stuff. Yeah. And all and, and you know, the whole setup. And it gets much better. But that first act is I was having a hard time, not gonna Could lie. Could that be a directorial thing too? Uh I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. And and sometimes, you know, they'll they'll have people wait so they'll have some more freedom in the in the cut in the edit yeah but they didn't utilize that freedom like they had so much space and time that they could have played around and chopped up the dialogue but they didn't they just played it and and waited and waited and are these like, things ugh. that drive you insane drives me insane because you're like crazy. i could have edited that that better well anyone could any, anyone should have that's the thing no i can i agree with that i think that editorially at the beginning it's pretty slow and those cut back and forths I mean, you could you definitely could have sped that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I it was. And I will say when he hands him the cup and he does, it is handing the cup to Wayne. He's just like handing the cup right over to Wayne. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's why I loved it so much. <laughs> like, it's in the same there's vein. a bit of carryover uh, from the previous film that he made. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I know. As soon as Alan started pointing that out, I was like, oh, you're ruining it for me. Stop it. <laughs> Because I, I love Wayne's World. Oh, so do it's I. It's one of my, you know, all-time guilty pleasure. I love that movie. And so I really wanted to like it. But it's just part of that was I couldn't get past the idea that this is not Wayne. And he's kind of acting like exactly like Wayne. Well, and then you have like it's all a- these follow-up questions like, is his hair red? I'm like, I yeah, I, I, Yeah, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's also easy. Well, Wayne's World's easier to like. I mean, anytime you you combine it with like a rock and roll essence it's and and you know what i mean like it's just easier culturally to fall into that versus like whatever he's doing in this (laughs) right well maybe like i would guess that a lot of actors and actresses who are comedians have a hard time moving over into the rom-com right because that's what because you can't be like this was kind of like a blending of the two right like super goofy and rom-com. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I would categorize it as a romantic comedy. And I, I, yeah, I think that's true. It's hard. It's, it's hit or miss. Not all of them can translate over. I think though, if you look at where the ones that do succeed do come from the pedigree that he's coming from, which is SNL. So if you look at SNL's lineup, when they translate over into comedic, you know, feature films, usually they, they do pretty well. Right. Yeah. They they do translate over pretty well. Yeah, and it, it is interesting because talking about Mike Myers' acting, he he seems more comfortable as an actor when he's in a, like when he's got makeup on, he's in 
a wacky costume and being a weird character. Yeah. Because all the sentimental stuff that I don't think he really hit those notes when he's being uh, Charlie, he nailed it when he was being the dad. Like at the at the 30th anniversary, when he's talking about his wife and how much he loves her, like he nailed that. That was sentimental and it actually was pretty sweet uh-huh. and it was good acting. But for some reason, he can't do that. And I don't know if that's just how he decided to play Charlie, but it just seemed like he was not quite as comfortable doing that. I don't know. I thought in this yeah. this that scene when he's playing Charlie and trying to get her to marry him, and he's like, marry me. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, please? <laughs> Which, I mean, I what else would you say in that moment? Like, uh. <laughs> right, right. So can I don't know. I thought he played can it we, good. Can we, let's, let's talk about that because... What? Why is Charlie such a gamophobe? Why does he care so much? Why? What was it that's making him so scared of committed relationships? They didn't, uh, they I want to know. They didn't what really is, go into because that. obviously it's, he's not seeing that from an experience level. I mean, his parents have been together for, or is is that the catalyst? Is that why well, he's? Scared? What about his mom hitting on his best friend constantly? You mean you mean sexually harassing his sexually friend? harassing <laughs> his best friend, and then his Straight dad constantly like yelling at the mom to shut up. <laughs> but well, and that's the thing. I think they set that up with the the family having a dysfunctional, uh, the, the parents having a dysfunctional marriage. But they don't really go into it very much. No. And even if they did do that, it's almost uh, counteracted at the at the anniversary thing because it is a sweet moment, and you can tell that yeah, they've been together forever. They yell at each other, but they still love each other. Yeah. And there's a reason why. So I don't know why he's got that fear. And wait, is that the real term for it? Gamophobe. I don't know, but that's what I made up. And that's what I did the research on. I was so impressed. I was like, there's a word for it. I know. It. I was like, wow, that's smart. Well, see, and there was always a joke in our family because I always used to tease I'd never get married and I'd never have kids. And so on the scene where he's like, marry me. And she's like, no, the the family joke was that that was going to be me. And so every time it would come up, everyone would look at me and I'd be like, everyone just shut up. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. I know it's don't tell me what to do. Yeah. But I just always thought that was hysterical because in rom-coms, when somebody's like, marry me and they're like, oh my God, yes. And she's like, no. <laughs> but so do you, I mean, you've seen this movie however many times, many times, what, where is that fear of commitment coming from? For me, um, no, for him, for, for Charlie. Him, for the character. Yeah. If I for were the to, character. If I were to guess, I would guess it's, it doesn't seem like, so in that like kind of private moment at their anniversary, he finally is kind to her. And you can see it in her face because she kind of melts. But they, it seems like they spend the majority of their lives in separate rooms. And then when Charlie brings home girls, they give him a hard time the whole time. Yeah, so maybe it's maybe it was one of the few times he sees his parents acting sentimental. Yeah, and then it okay. pushes him to finally have something like that in his life. But I didn't see that between them until then. That's a good point. I didn't either. And then they embarrassed him in front of the new girlfriend, which sounds like they did every time he brought over a girl to the house. So my guess is that they would shame him until like, convincing himself he didn't want to be in a relationship because think about that you take your girl over every single time you get shamed in front of your girlfriend you or your wife of showing him shit in his pants when he was a or kid. saying get a pickle up your arse yeah <laughs> and so like to me I, it just seemed like the the parents didn't have a lot of love between them but if you see like charlie and his mom when she's like oh that's so sweet of you and he, and he brings the the haggis 
And then they're like yelling at each other, but there's not really a lot of exchange between the two of them other than yelling. So to me, I'm like, he probably didn't want that type of life or relationship. That would be my guess. But the mom wants him to be happy. She's like, oh, I liked her, you know, and she gives him a hard time. So that would be my guess. I, I remember that's good. The, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. The mom, the, the most memorable thing about her, is she's the old lady from Home Alone 2. Oh. She's the pigeon lady. See? <laughs> that's like the whole time that's I was right. trying to figure it out. And so I looked it up after the movie. I'm like, that's it. That's she, her. Well, see, and she was the voice I was always really trying to get down because I thought she was adorable. <laughs> Other than the sexual <laughs> harassment. But uh, like when she's talking about the Weekly World News, this paper is a fact. <laughs> You know, like man gets pregnant. Man, that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, uh, I mean, it's, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'll, go ahead. I can't remember what I was going to say. So you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, I was thinking about uh, how she saved Kevin McAllister. That's where mm. I was. Yeah. That's where I, yep. <laughs> I, I only brought that up and now my mind can't leave it. I know. <laughs> that, see, that movie is a movie I watched over and over and over again. Home I Alone watched 2. that one quite a bit. Yeah. The second one. Yeah, but I hated Christmas, so I didn't really like those movies as much. Because <laughs> it was all Christmas music. It's all the whole time. And I think that's why I like the like Adam's Family and stuff because they were more creepy, and then Wayne's World had fun music. So I don't know. I even like the music on this and one. And this movie's about murder. It is about murder. It's so. a way to like to make things that we were weirdly interested in a little bit funny because my oldest cousin and I who I would say is basically a sister from another Mr. Holly we she started me on a current affair and unsolved mysteries early and my mom hated it and so when this was in this movie and it was funny I was like see it's funny but she hated it and so it was a weird way to like bridge that gap between like it's okay to talk about murder. <laughs> People what? are realizing that I'm really weird. You, this is why we're together. <laughs> uh, you're pro- or you're prohibited to watch to talk about things like murder in your household. Well, you gotta love my mom. Alan knows my mom. She is just the sweetest thing ever, and she just wants like. She happiness want, and light she, she just doesn't wasn't want, bad things do exist at all she, she does positive energy. yeah she, she she does likes to pretend it doesn't exist so. she does it's very cute she gets <laughs> really freaked out yeah. by horror movies and the fact that yeah, we watch not, them all the time she's not real happy with the fact that i've shown you a lot of horror movies it's true he opened the door <laughs> i was gonna say if 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 you're in a relationship with Alan there's no way you're getting around watching horror movies oh yeah no and it's been fun like I've I've gotten to the point now where I understand what he's talking about where if something's not scary I'm horribly disappointed I was actually talking about a movie earlier that I thought was going to be scary it wasn't scary and I was like this is really disappointing I was like ready to be frightened but also if I'm not gonna be frightened make me laugh like it has to be one or the other kind of for me I don't know yeah I I hear you I hear Mm -hmm. you so Mike Myers' character meets Harriet. Harriet's played by Nancy Travis. Who is Nancy Travis? I've seen Do her. Do we know? She's like a I very mean, I've, 90s. I've, I did some research, but she's More gotten 80s. a lot of things that become extremely memorable. She's she's like one of those people. It's like, oh, that girl. Yeah, like but I've I... seen her. I don't remember what she's been in, but I remember she was in a couple things in like the 80s and 90s, I think. Well, and it seems like most of the people other than Mike Myers went on to more serious roles after this. Like Tony is in 
one of those crime shows. Yeah, he's without a trace. Without a trace. And then the other guy was in another crime show, but I can't remember what it's called. The other guy? What guy? The <laughs> chief. The... Oh, Alan Arkin. Yes. Uh, Alan Arkin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan Arkin is a, a pretty well-renowned film actor. Yeah. He was great, by the way. Yeah. Oh, he's he was great in everything he, he's, was... he does. Well, and I think one of the things I loved about this, and I'm sure I don't know the, the scope of all the cameos, but there were so many cameos in this movie that make it hysterical. Like Phil Hartman. Phil Hart. Anything, anytime Phil Hartman pops up, I'm happy. I'm smiling. I know. It seemed like it was a lot of the either SNL people or comedians seem to be popping up a lot. So I think that Charles makes it... Grodin, he was he was pretty big in the 80s and 90s, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Uh, I my fa- I mean, the best I don't want to say the best character, but the best interaction though in the whole movie is the dad and his younger son. And I just want to say that he is <laughs> the kid. I think his name is Willie, yeah. but he's credited as Heed. <laughs> in the, we were watching the credits. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And of course, that kid's in the Mighty Ducks, and he was in a bunch of movies in the 90s. And all he he doesn't, he doesn't say a damn thing through the entire movie. He just gets yelled at through the entire movie. He's going to cry himself to sleep on his huge pillow. (laughs) On his huge pillow. (laughs) Much like like Sputnik. Yeah. Right pointy in parts. Um, But yeah, those interactions are funny. Well, and the funny part about when you bring in the character of the dad. Tony, the best friend, if you watch it again, just watch Tony because Tony's laughing through the entire movie and breaking character. And I think for me, like on rewatching, you notice so much other stuff going on. So that's to me, that's why it's a cult classic, because there's so many other funny things happening that you don't notice. And Tony's one like he's constantly breaking up, cracking up, laughing. And so if you watch him, it makes it even funnier. See, these are all the things that made me appreciate this movie a little bit better because, I mean, once we start getting into love story and like I, I didn't like the montage in the in the butcher shop. I thought that was like, how many times can you show them playing with meat? Like, again, <laughs> like, let's just let's just cut like the last third of that montage out and then I get the picture. Yeah. Um, I also think I'm not so sure Nancy Travis was the right casting decision on this. And I know. And Gabe, you're probably going to talk about this in trivia, but I know Sharon Stone was was going to take this role. I just can't see it. I th- she'd I be think, too sexual. I think she'd be perfect for this because I don't know when Basic Instinct I'm came learning, out. I'm learning more things about Alan. Well, I don't know when this. Basic Instinct came out, came out, but she was, you know, she was a murderer in, in that. So knowing what we know, you know, she can play that role. To me, it would just the subtext of her being in that movie would would make it a little bit more sinister, I think. She's too pretty. She's got this... I thought this character was perfect. She's more unassuming. Like, she wasn't she's scary. not... I, I didn't for a second... Oh, come really, on. Not for one second did I think... Gabe, did you think she was the murderer? I mean, I know you've seen this movie before, but was there at any point did you ever think that she could possibly be an axe murderer? No. No. <gasps> I did. I know women more than you guys. Face. <laughs> You just know how to get because away with it. Because here's the other thing. I, I'm liking this uh, path that, Alan, you're taking here with the possibility of Sharon Stone I because know. Basic Instinct came out in 1992. This would have been right off the heels so, of that. This it's, would have been right off the heels pretty. of Basic Instinct. She's it would have changed pretty. the comp- Hold on. It would have changed the complete <laughs> dynamic of the film and quite possibly, Jess, made it better. 
I think it would have. I think guys would have liked it more because it's Sharon Stone. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think to me it would have been because we know she can play evil. Like we know she can play sinister. And there was a no like even when Nancy Travis, when they're at dinner and she starts to like be a little bit more menacing. I didn't believe it for a second. She's oh, too nice. She's too nice. I love it when she gets weird with her weird stares and she's like grabbing onto him and getting strange because Not here scary. you are, you get married and suddenly she's acting super weird. She goes from nice to being super weird and she's now she's talking in a weird way. Like her voice gets lower and she's like sneaking around following you everywhere. I'm like, come on. And she's unassuming because she seems like the good I girl. I think the misdirection would have been better with Sharon Stone. The mixed direction with Sharon Stone would have been, look, uh, we would have believed she was the axe murderer and in our mind said, she's the one. And then the misdirection later would be, whoa, she's not the one. Her sister is. Right. And that would have thrown us for a different curveball. So I like this little idea. Alan should be the casting director. I, I agree. Uh, see, you- and I knew from the get-go the first time I watched it that it was the sister. Of course. You know it the second you see her because she looks too creepy. She's way too creepy. She looks too creepy. You can't do that. That's another bad casting thing. But like, then the question is, like, so- do they murder together? Like, that was that was my follow-up the, question the first time the I watched reason, it. Do you guys know why Sharon Stone uh, didn't end up playing this role? Why? She had no, it. but I want to hear. She had it, but she wanted to play... Uh, what's her name? She wanted to play the, the Nancy Travis's character, and she wanted to play the sister. So she wanted to do a double role, and the studio didn't want her to do it. So she wasn't. She just was nixed altogether. I'm gonna disagree with you guys. I think she would have been too big of a character. She would have been too big. She would have overshadowed Mike Myers. Well, that's not a bad thing in this movie. No, it, it's it is because I love Mike Myers in this movie. It would have made it a Sharon Stone movie. That's why this is great with the casting because they're all a little bit unknown. Like to me, it makes it more unassuming. You actually have to think about it. Sharon Stone, that's a dead giveaway. Come you on. got the power of nostalgia really digging in on this one, don't you? Because well, I'm like, it's such a boy <laughs> thing to say Sharon Stone. No, it's not there. about that. She's more menacing. She can be more menacing. That's it. That's that's for me. That's all it is. I think it's about. I, I think from a plot perspective, I'm just gonna, and then we'll move on. But I think from a plot perspective, there's the possibility the misdirection would be stronger. I agree. I agree. But but nonetheless, we meet uh, they uh, Harriet. And Charlie kind of start this this relationship, and the next morning we are introduced to uh, Harriet's sister, who immediately, I mean, I agree, I think immediately you kind of get the hunch that she's the crazy one in the family. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but meets the sister, uh, and the whole time the beeline of this story is basically that out in San Francisco, the news is that there's this killer out there on the loose that's been uh getting engaged to men and then killing them off right and so the it's kind of the parallel story to what's happening between harriet and charlie is that hey out in the world is some you know crazy lady that's marrying people and then axing them and it's the one time charlie like is actually right about someone with his crazy (laughs) ideas (laughs) you know just his luck the one time he's actually right (laughs) well kind of because it was the sister yeah yeah so oh, it, it ends up they get married right tell me okay jess mm-hmm. we'll start with you tell me and this is a this is a broad question but it's pretty pretty basic the 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 your favorite scene in this movie 
My favorite scene in this movie is when the dad is sitting with Tony in the living room and they're making fun of the younger son and Tony's cracking up. And honestly, that's my favorite scene. I'd say a follow-up scene would probably be um, the rooftop scene. The the chase at the end? The chase. Um, those are probably my two favorites. But honestly, like I would probably turn on the movie just to watch the scene between the dad and the younger brother. That's my absolute favorite. And just the intro with the Saturday night song, like all of it's just perfect. To me, that whole thing is just perfect. I don't, you couldn't make it any better as far as I'm concerned, especially with them cracking up. I just think the entire thing's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. When, when he's laughing, it's, it, make, it makes it better. When it I, makes it better. I didn't even notice that until like probably the third or fourth time my brother and I had watched it. And he's like, Watch the friend because you're paying attention to the dad. Right. You're not even looking at the friend. And then you look at the friend, you see him dying and that makes it even funnier. It, it's almost like that was the best take they had mm-hmm. because he brought, you know, it just feels like he keeps losing it. So they're like, just go with it. You know, just keep laughing. For me, like when you think about this movie years later, that's the scene I think about. I don't think about anything else, but I think about that scene where he's making fun of Heed. Oh, and the part when they're at the, is it the Palace of the Arts? Is that what it's called? I think. And he's like, Nadia, I'm coming. And he's like jumping. And she was like, what do you look for in a woman? And he's like, well, I know some people say personality, but I'd have to say breast size. And she like dies laughing. <laughs> and to me, that was like another break in character where they just die laughing. And so it's it became this weird thing of see when they break character. So I don't know. That was another one that I absolutely loved because she just starts dying laughing and it just looks like they're having fun. Yeah, I think that's fun. If if people are listening, like if they watch this film, they should look for those little moments where the characters break and actually laugh during the scene yeah. at what's happening in the movie itself. You know what, too? That's very much a that's very much like a Saturday Night Live thing, right? Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live sketch type comedy where they're just going to break character. I mean, I still remember one when Will Ferrell was with Jimmy Fallon with the cowbell. And Jimmy Fallon cannot stop laughing. He's supposed to be in character, and all he's doing is just laughing at the what, what, what Ferrell is doing. So that whole <laughs> essence kind of ble- – it's interesting. I think you should uh, – if you watch it, you should look for those little, those little uh, side moments oh, where the, the side characters my are, favorite, are breaking character. My favorite set, uh, Saturday Night Live breaking character is when Chris Farley's doing the Matt Foley character. <laughs> And David Spade and Christina Applegate are sitting there on the couch. And like when he jumps and he breaks the table uh-huh. and it just cuts to them and they are just hiding their hands in their faces because they're laughing so hard. Wasn't that around the same time? I feel like that I think was, it was great yeah. comedy. Like that was, to me, the, those were the, the comedy greats because you've got these movies coming out and then they're on Saturday Night Live and it's hysterical. There was so much funny stuff going on at yeah. the time. Yeah. And actually... Yeah, that early 90s to mid 90s was was unbelievable for some of the stuff they were doing. If you go back to the wedding scene and just watch all the people dancing, that's another one to watch. That was another another scene that you're like, look at all the stuff going on. It's hysterical. At this party. And, and it was pretty funny because <laughs> stuff that is not highlighted on camera, like you can see it in the background, people just doing weird shit. And weird, it, weird it's stuff. hilarious. And yeah. it did make the movie that much more enjoyable. Uh-huh. That's why I think it's, to me, like, I read some of the reviews on IMDb, and they were like, the more you watch it, the funnier it gets. And I absolutely agree with that. Because you're paying more attention to all these, like, little things, and then it becomes funnier and funnier because you're like, oh, I never noticed that. Right. So... 
kind of like with Wayne's World. Okay, Alan. Yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah. With Wayne's World, it's it's there's there's it's layered. Yeah, it's layered. There's layers. Very layered. <laughs> Alan, tell me your favorite scene. It's it's definitely or your least favorite scene. My least favorite scene is any any time he's talking about his relationship problems with his friend. Just oh god, like I, and I, it's not necessarily this movie. It's just that trope of like a dude and his best friend shooting hoops talking about his relationship problems you know like this trope in in romantic comedies where guys are just always talking about their relationships how else do they talk about their feelings than when they're shooting hoops yeah exactly exactly and then it's <laughs> and then not only that but it's it's like all of the dude's friends and family their whole purpose in life is to listen to stories about this guy's relationships you know it's just there's something that doesn't. I, I'm not a big fan of romantic comedies, if you can't tell. But it's just, it's not. Be, it's not because of the romantic comedies. It's just because the tropes are so overused and so dumb. They're just so dumb. So that part I don't like. But uh, the part, and I hate to piggyback on it, but I think by far the best scene is that scene where Tony's sitting with the dad, and they're just making fun of the kid with the head. Like it's so. It's just everything about that is just. It's what I love about Mike Myers. It's it's hilarious. It it almost feels like he's just riffing. You know, I think that they probably they probably are. were. Yeah. So I, yeah. so I hate to There's piggyback. There's got to be a lot it, of improv going on. Definitely. What about you, Gabe? Uh, here's well, here's what I want to do. I want to I want to the story and the plot. First, I have a couple of questions because we, I think we've covered kind of the basis and the, uh, the essentials of what the what the story is and who the characters are. Right until we get to the end, which we'll we'll get into in just a second. But the story and the plot, there's one thing in here that I'm confused on, and I want, you, I want you guys to give me some feedback on it. So Harriet, okay, she's been engaged to three men, right? Her sister's knocked off all three men. Does Harriet not know that her sister's killing them until the end? I don't or think if she does, why hasn't she put her sister away? What is the deal with Harriet? I don't think she knows. I think she thinks her sister's just really weird and just she's just that weird little sister that's just always around and always saves her because she always says well Harriet shows up when things don't work out and so the sister sets it up so that she needs her and so they're kind of stuck in this weird little back and forth but she seems like she just keeps going after relationships but she's like shocked when she's like Harriet when she's locked in the closet at the end and so I don't think she knew what do you guys think I, I was confused about that too. I think you're right, though, because she's because the cop Tony says something to her when he's kind of interrogating her, like you're telling me that she's killed these people just to make you, th and then makes you think that they left you. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're right, but I was confused about that too. Yeah, but and I I, I think you don't really know the whole time. You just know her sister's really weird. She's weird. And that's why I was wondering if it was like a sister thing where, you know, one of them would kill him. They'd be like, oh, well, I'm just going to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. So here, here's, a, here's the other, because that, well, that kind of answers what uh, I was going to ask as a follow-up, which is basically, why is the sister so crazy? Like, what is it about the sister that, that you know, makes her so crazy? Why is she going around killing everyone? I think you kind of answered a little bit of that. But the other thing is, in, in, in relation to like the story and the plot, right, is uh, the, <laughs> the 
even if does Harriet fall in love too quickly? First off, because she's been in three relationships and all these men have just left her within like a very short span of time. She's ready to commit to to Charlie. Is that just my unconventional approach or is she she cool? She's good with with committing so quickly. What's the thoughts on that? I think there's something (laughs) wrong with Harriet. I would still have red flags going up. Like even when it works out in the end, I'm still like, you're right. And here's another here's (laughs) another point of why she was miscast. Because she is like, she's not, she can't play that. Because I think you're right. And I think that could have been added an element to maybe she's a little unstable. Mm-hmm. Because she is just jumping into these relationships. I think they could have played that up a little bit more. Oh, especially at the but end. What if she did like exactly. some creepy look at the end but and you're like. Nancy Travis is too freaking nice. She's too nice. Like she's too likable to to really think that but if you have like sharon stone or, or or someone else who's more menacing i think you can play that crazy up just a little bit more but i i think yeah i think there's definitely something wrong with her in fact i even said like they're talking about moving in together and i'm like haven't they only been dating like a week <laughs> like it's just <laughs> was it whole... the wedding he's like two and a half weeks yeah exactly yeah it yeah, just... this was concerning to me. I was like, wait a minute. Harriet's <laughs> jumping the gun here. And all of a sudden, he's ready to change his whole perspective on life yeah. in a matter of a week How because he, he's, he's, he's the most uncommitted individual in the world. And then he's, hey, let's do this. And what? hey, when she sings a song, or he sings a song to her, she's like, all right, I'm back in. Yeah, yeah first she's like <laughs> sticking her guns like, you hurt me. We're not getting back together. All he's got to do is sing a song. It's like, that was easy. That's right. Jeez, but here's the thing. It, it, the thing about the rom-com. writing. Rom-com. <laughs> rom-com. The thing about the Ch- writing. Chalk it up. Chalk right. it up. This feels like a sitcom episode. Like, it feels like it'd be like a Halloween episode in some sitcom. And instead, they made it into a feature and they stretch it out to an hour and a half. Doesn't it have um? What's the background where they break up? That's the Bob Saget. I can't full think. house. Full house. Wait, what? That's the full house background. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, oh, yes. You're 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 right. That. So I was watching this. My wife sitting next to me. She's kind of in and out of watching it, doing whatever she's doing. That scene in the park where they're at the park and the background of the house just comes up. My wife immediately says the same thing. She's like, "Hey, it's full house." Well, and there was something that I did notice about watching this. I was like, this feels like an ad for San Francisco. It does. It really does. And then I had follow-up questions to how Harriet and her sister have such a humongous mansion-like condo in San Francisco. And Alan looks at me and goes, she's a butcher. She's a butcher. (laughs) And they live in San Francisco proper, yet they live in a mansion. And they've got three stories. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And a huge tub. And a huge tub. And a shower that has a, a frosted glass window overlooking the balcony. Well, in the, like in the honeymoon tub. Yeah, in the honeymoon tub. Man, I want to be a butcher in San Francisco. I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Yeah, I know, exactly. Right? <laughs> what kind of butcher are you? <laughs> One of my so you brought this up and I'll and we kind of jump back a little bit because favorite scenes like the favorite scenes to me. I mean, he'd move. Those are great. I think him as the Scottish dad is hilarious. Uh, that's where we talked about Mike Myers shines is. When he gets into character, he can really shine. But I actually like the scenes that I enjoy most that I think are the most silly and, and, and dumb, and I don't know why I like him so much, is when he's doing the, poet, the poet, uh, poetry readings. Those are fun. And he's just, <laughs> I don't know what it is about him, but they make me laugh every time. I think it's because it's kind of the crooner slash Frank Sinatra slash poetry slam. 
and it just makes me laugh. And I think he does them really well. I actually want, that's the one thing in the movie. Cause Jess, I gotta be honest with you. Most of it, I'm like, okay, I don't need more, but that I was like, I could use more poetry slams. Well, isn't he totally <laughs> making fun of the beat poets? Like it, it feels that it feels like the, yes, the, the, the beat mix. Yeah. It's, and he lays it on thick too, but it works really well. Yeah. Because the that the other thing I remembered about this movie was not not just the the scene with the dad, but the the, the you know the woman. Whoa, Whoa man. man! Yeah, I remember that from like when I was yes. in junior high. Yeah. You know, like that's I didn't remember the movie very well, but I remember that because me and my friends would walk around yeah. saying that. Well, see, we yes. Whenever there was somebody who was super drunk, we'd be like, "We have a piper down." <laughs> we have a piper down. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was like maybe me and one other friend who got it, and they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> "Inside joke." I know. No. They're like, "What piper?" And we're like, <laughs> "I love it." So we get to the end of the story. Okay, they're on their essentially their honeymoon. It's, uh, this was weird, by the way. I'm sorry. This whole setup was, was weird. And so they get to this uh, this hotel. I can't remember. What was the name of the hotel, Jess? Do you remember? Wasn't it like the over... Was it, it's not, not the Overlook or something. It's where all the no, beatnik poets go. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but it felt like it was making fun of something. And I couldn't figure out what it was making fun of. It's just some yeah, bed and breakfast. To... Let's see. The hotel... But here they it's okay. But they get to the hotel and they're having dinner. And this is where his friend, Charlie's friend, Mike Myers' friend, the detective, figures out that or thinks he figures out that his newly uh, his newly minted wife is uh, the murderer, mm-hmm. right? So he calls him. There's an urgent phone call and tells him, "Hey, you, Harriet's the one. She's the one that's been going around killing all these guys." And so that freaks him out. And the part that I had that I hated about this scene, it was so strange, was all of a sudden they just usher him off into the room. The whole hotel grabs him, carries him off in a chair to the room and like isolates him into the room. It was so weird. They're so happy. I was like, what the hell's going on? And they're, so, they're taking such joy in the fact that these two are going to go bang on their honeymoon. Like, it's, it's just like it's the weird. weirdest but thing. But do you remember? There were some movies that came out around the time they were odd. They were just odd. Like if you go back and watch Clue and then if you go back and watch Nothing But Trouble, there are just times in those movies where it was like, what is going on? And it just felt like one of those movies where it gets really weird and you're like, I don't even know what like Vortex we're in at this point. There's this some is weird strange. Stuff. There's some weird. That was very strange and how how overly zealous those the, the, the couple celebrating their anniversary were like, it was just the whole, it, the whole vibe was very weird. What do I do? Don't worry. You'll know what you'll to know. do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it, it almost felt like they were like, well, we just got to end the movie real quick. So we got to get him to the bedroom. Yeah. The bedroom, yeah. we can do the, the final showdown. So the only way to in this scene at dinner to get him to the bedroom is to just randomly have the entire hotel usher him off. Right. <laughs> it, it's an odd, it's very odd. But that's what I'm talking about. The writing is just not good in this movie. It's just, it just feels like sitcom writing that they just somehow got a lot of money to make a movie. And so like, well, well we're going to make a feature this time. And it just, well, it just, if, you're coming, if you're coming off Wayne's World, right? Like 
of course, almost any kind of financial uh, financier is going to be your beck and call, right? Because you let's just see. came off so, Wayne's World. Think about it. Mike Myers World. didn't write it. Robbie Fox. I don't know who that is, but Robbie, Robbie No, but Fox I just mean, this. if he's attached to the movie, the money's sure. there. So whether For the sure. writing was good or not, it's like, oh, we got Mike Myers. And then they're like, okay, where do we send the check? Right. Right. Well, and there are some weird scenes in Wayne's World, like. But it makes sense in Wayne's World. Those are fun, though. Yeah, it does. It totally makes sense. Like, well, maybe that scene was. To me, I'm like, I feel like this is hearkening back to something that maybe I don't get. Of the like, you get married and it's like all about sex or something. I don't know because my mom and dad were laughing their asses off through that scene and I didn't get it. So I I just thought it was very strange. It, it was, was weird. very weird. It was I don't know. Awfully convenient. <laughs> Let me tell you this. When I got married, if they had ushered me off like that, I'd been like, get the fuck off. Me. <laughs> it's weird. I'm not I'd have been mood throwing anymore. blows, dude. I've been throwing blows. Like get the get off me right now. Don't be touching like I have it a was headache. Weird to me. It was weird. <laughs> It, no, that's a very so, odd scene. Tell, okay, so here we get to the end of the movie. Basically, they're in the room. He thinks that she's the murderer and is kind of trying to avoid her. And then essentially there's kind of this showdown at the end and her, her sister shows up. Uh, Harriet's sister's there and with an ax. And then it's it, the essential reveal is that, oh, she's the official or the, the true murderer. Alan, on a scale of one to ten and just two, what was how well this executed as a horror chasing at the end uh, with an axe? If we're talking horror, then none, but none because it, it does, you can't <laughs> to me, you can't take a comedy, a romantic comedy. And so, and this again, this is why it feels like a sit. I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but it feels like a sitcom because it's like. You know, sitcoms, they try to do like the scary, like the Halloween episode where there's, you know, the main characters are being chased or something, but you know, it's not really, you know, nothing's going to happen. It felt like that. Like it was not, I mean, it was, it was okay. I mean, it was fine. It was just like, we know what's going to happen. Like I honestly thought the sister was going to fall off the roof. So oh. I guess they surprised me there because she didn't, but it was, it just, it, it's, it's, it didn't keep my attention. Okay. Really. So can I rebuttal this? Okay. Think about this. Yeah. So you're Mike Myers, right? You're the character Charlie, right? And you're so terrified of ever getting married. Then you get married and all of a sudden everything you're terrified about with marriage is coming true. And you're you're stuck in this hotel with this person and you're like having you think you have to like fight for your life because now all of your like inner anxieties that you've had your entire life are now happening. And then suddenly Oh no, it's the sister. And then it's hysterical because you think of a rom-com or even a horror movie and it doesn't really fit any of those because it's, she doesn't like murder him. We see no blood and she's chasing him around and in the middle of it, it is scary, but it's also like funny, but like the thing, thing, wait, wait, wait. The one thing that is the most hysterical about that scene and I was laughing my ass off and I looked at Alan and I said, Name a movie where the guys ever kicked a girl in the junk. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny because I was going to say, you know, just someone getting hit in the balls a couple times. That doesn't equal instant comedy. Like it's in real life. It's hilarious. Yeah. But in a movie, it's not that funny. Uh, but when he kicks her back, that was that was that subverted my expectations wow, a little bit. I liked good. it. 
Well, and like, to me, I hate rom-coms. I hate them. And so to me, this was a way to kind of still watch this, but it's still hysterical. And you're not sure if she's going to fall off the roof. You're not sure. And you never do see any blood. Like, no one ever actually gets hurt. I know it's bullshit. <laughs> I want some Alan blood, Alan wanted man. to see red. I want to see some gore, some blood, some eyes popping out. <laughs> you can't. I, I like the... I, here's the thing about this last part of the film, this final scene. I actually like this, to me, was also one of the better parts to the movie. I thought it was this... I thought the bitch was crazy. <laughs> She's and so crazy. The whole chasing to me for what it could be was was fun. Like it was fun to me. I like. I kind of was engaged. I kind of slow because you slowed down. Like you slow down at some point in the movie, particularly right up as they're getting to the hotel. Even the hotel scene at dinner was slow. Like oh, you knew like thirty minutes ago what was happening, <laughs> or you could at least break it down. So I like the excitement and the pacing to speed back up. I thought it was fun at the end, like the crazy chase scene on the roof and the silliness of it. I liked it. I did too. I love it. I think it's hysterical. (laughs) I I mean, if you're going to have a wacky, crazy chase scene and you're going to throw in some slapstick comedy, let's go full naked gun. Let's go full airplane. But they do have some elements of it when uh, Charlie gets there. No, Tony gets there. And he's got Harriet. That and he's was, like, okay. he, they're sitting in the room and he's like, you're going to tell me where he is. And you can hear the that was funny. The axe hitting the funny. roof you're and right. Charlie yes. going, ah! you're right. That was funny. And it goes on just long enough that it keeps getting funnier. <laughs> and it's like total like airplane ish writing. I yes, think I don't right. know. You know what? You're right. That was that was very good. <laughs> that, that was well done. The whole meanwhile joke is yeah, I liked it, too. Yeah. I thought it was funny. <laughs> So here's here's what we're gonna do as we wrap it up here. Okay, I gotta I'm gonna try something different. This may completely bomb. I don't know. <laughs> um, before we get into ratings, okay, uh, one uh, it's gonna be the one word summation game or affiliation. If I say to you, so I married an axe murderer, you have one word to describe the film. Okay, uh, what would that one word be? Ooh, Sputnik. Um, (laughs) that's got some subtext to it that's got some subtext to it it does um like it i I can't do it in one word i I would say miss the mark you have to alan damn it one word what is what is is an antonym for that miss the mark i just say uh 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 i don't hmm Swing and a miss. I don't know. Like he it's can't. it's it's he keeps I, going because, because here's the thing. It's not quite boring. It's not quite <laughs> like it's good at parts, but it sucks at Damn parts. Damn it, Alan, just jump into the <laughs> I don't review know. Already. I can't do it. I can't do it. This is too you know me. I love to talk. I, I can't <laughs> He just keeps adding more <laughs> okay, words. Okay, so jump to in. It. it turned into like a, a paragraph. It's <laughs> <laughs> what I do, man. It's what I do best. I can't shut my mouth. How about this, Alan? Okay, let's try this real quick before you, and then I'll let you do your your deep dive. Okay. Okay. Word affiliation. So Jeff said Sputnik. When you hear the word Sputnik, what do you think of? Heed. There you go. Heed. There's this Perfect. There's your one word. There we go. I, I did it. He did it. Okay. Where's where's my medal? Look at teaching. (laughs) Teaching again. Or no. Actually, Jess, dive deep. Give us a summary of the film. Give us uh, and then jump into a rating one out of ten. Okay. Summary of the film. Like from 
start to finish? No, like just your, no, just your, your overall summation. Oh, your summation of the movie. Overall summation: rom com mixed with Saturday Night Live, mixed with horror, but not really. If you want something to make you laugh on a Saturday night, and you're really into watching the background. <laughs> <laughs> to see what's going on. And if I were to give it, so I used Sputnik already, so I'm going to say 10 Rothschilds. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. So the, the dad is a conspiracy theorist, and uh, it fits in so well with the go, what's going on now. Like, it's hilarious. That's right. The Vatican. Yeah, the Vatican. <laughs> the Kentucky wait, wait, Vatican. Just, what did you just give? The, did you just give your rating of a 10? I did because I love this movie. I Oh, my Lord, Jess. Have, help me. I have watched this movie more than any movie, and the more I watch it, the more I like it. I'm sorry. But let's, I love let's, it. It's my favorite yeah, don't, movie. Hey, you know what? Don't be, don't be sorry. Uh, I just know just Alan can't Just be ashamed. <laughs> That's what he said earlier. He goes, what are you going to do? And I was like, F you. I'm going to do a 10. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do a 10. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Sometimes you got to throw down okay. the perfect score. So, now break my heart, this Alan. Is, this is a, a perfect movie for you is what you're saying. I just... Like you're not saying like technically and all that stuff. It's perfect. It's one you're of You're just those... saying you love it and it's a perfect movie for you. I love it. And it's a movie that I will always watch and I will always find something funny about it. Maybe something I never noticed before. Because even on this round i didn't notice the people making out in the background when the piper goes down like i didn't even notice that and they don't they look at him and then they go back to making out and they're behind a tree i've never even seen that before so i don't know i to me i just i love it i'll always love it good so this it's fair to say this is your favorite mike meyer movie it's my favorite mike meyer movie even like I, I have to admit some of his movies are so freaking funny. Like mo, <laughs> like things that you want to say that you don't say, but you're thinking it. <laughs> you know, you're thinking it. <laughs> so yeah, I like it. It's my favorite movie. And okay, we got a ten, Alan. How are you going to follow that up? Where's your he's gonna, summary he's gonna, of the film? He's going to hurt rating? me. Now here's here's the thing. <laughs> this is why I love Jess because I come in with all my nitpicking bullshit. And I'm like, this sucks and this sucks. And I'm super cynical. And she's like, but it's funny. Like, what's your problem? Stop being an ass. It's funny. Did you laugh? Did you did you like that part? But, Were you did, having a, but did you did die? Did you have a good time? Exactly. And so this is why this is why you're good for me. And this is why you're great. Um, with that said. And me, also, I am not a filmmaker. I do not know the ins and outs. It and doesn't all the matter. Things. You know what you like. It doesn't though. matter. That's, that's all that matters. Did it make me yep. laugh? Does it always make me laugh? Exactly. Why, yes. Uh, with all that said, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you're not kidding. No, <laughs> no uh, I mean, like I said, it's great at parts. Like the parts are, it's good. It's, it's right really pointy good. at parts. And it's, it's, it's what? It's Wait, right pointy at right parts. Point, it is right pointy at parts. <laughs> and I, I really enjoy those parts. Uh, it's just, again, just the, the first act really, really drags it down. Mike Myers acting, it gets better. Yeah. Like I like, I like, I like the love story. I thought that was fun when they were courting and they were kind of figuring their stuff out. I thought their, their romance was quite cute. I liked it. It was, it was really touching and really sweet. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Alan, you're such a romantic. Mm-hmm. I, I, it kind of made me feel He's, that way. He said he hates rom-coms. This was the only one that I was like, I kind of aspire to have a funny relationship like that. When there, he's, she's like, she starts running upstairs and he's chasing after her with his pants down. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> I'm like, see, 
That's what relationships should be like. Yeah, no, it's it, it was it's really sweet and I liked it. Uh, but the parts that drag it down, I mean, just really drag it down. And the fact that it's right at the beginning mm-hmm. just really kind of took it out of me. And I just I couldn't find myself getting back to the point where I was enjoying it enough to really enjoy it like I should have. I think maybe if they had made those mistakes later on, like somewhere in the middle in the second act, I think... I would have enjoyed it more because I would have already been in the mindset like, okay, this is funny. We're doing some good stuff, but I just, I, it just, I couldn't get out of that mindset. So with all that said, with my giant novel, uh, summation of, so I married an ax murderer, <laughs> I'm going to go 6.2 heeds. <laughs> there you go. Heeds. Heeds. That, you know what, Alan, I'm not going to lie to you. That is higher than I would have assumed you would have come It's in. actually a lot higher than I, I was thinking. I, you know, and I, I kind of bummed because I did shit talk this a lot. There are some, I really wish I would have more emphasized the parts that I did like. Because I did like a lot of parts. And he was quietly shit talking all day. It was adorable. <laughs> kind of was. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it's time to step up to the plate, he, he comes in with a 6.2. That's a pretty good score. I know. Yeah, especially for me. It's over half. Yeah, it is over half. <laughs> That's it is. It's a D minus. <laughs> so that's right. Still pass. I, I IMDB comes in at six point four, Alan. Ooh. So you're right with IMDB. Yeah. And IMDB is always rough. What was Rotten Tomatoes? Wasn't it like in the fifties? I can't remember. Yeah. So the, the Rotten Tomatoes is fifty four percent. Oh, we were both for very the critics. Close. So it's rotten. It's rotten from the critics. And what about what about from the audience? Do they have the audience score and there? And then the audience is sixty eight percent. So you're right on par with the audience. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that's about right. If I, Jess was on the Jess ratings it would literally be a hundred percent right here everybody would have a hundred percent i do want to they say they gave it a good try one thing we we didn't talk about i just want to mention really quick uh steven wright's cameo as the as the pilot was hilarious when he's like, i had a dream i was being born i was eight and a half months premature the, doc, the doctors were freaking out and the guy's like just land the plane that was actually that was a really great. good scene that. too yeah, i thought that was funny are you sleeping <laughs> See what happens when you start talking about it and then more scenes start to evolve and they come out. You might want to change that rating, Alan, already. You might want to watch it again. A common theme for this show is we'll talk about the movie and then I'll end up liking it more after our discussion. I actually think I talked myself down a little bit on this one. I'm kind of bummed about that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you can always go back and retrofit your grade later. That's true. That's right. More watches. I know. Maybe tomorrow he'll be like, just the you know, shit talk will be even lighter. I won't really hear it as could much. Be, could be. <laughs> I mean, don't forget that uh, Roger Ebert, which, Roger Ebert uh, would change his score, right? So like he goes back and he flips on his ratings all the time. So you're welcome to come back to this after you've watched it a dozen more times with Jess and change that. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because he's going to come home on when I'm having a bad day and it's going to be on. Cause that's just, that's how I roll. I bought, I bought it on Amazon just for you. Cause I know you love Thank it. So you. It's, that was so it. nice. That makes up for the shit talking all day. Thank you. So just tell us, do you have any trivia for us on this one? I have a couple here. We talked about Sharon Stone already. Any other ones that you have based on your knowledge of the movie? If not, that's okay. I have heard that during this movie, Mike Myers had a really hard time because he doesn't like being touched. And so there was, I heard that there were um, a lot of, a lot of the scenes you're watching it with um, Harriet where they're very, she's very touchy with him. And they were saying that those were hard scenes and they had to keep telling her to stop touching him. 
And so I thought that was interesting. I didn't know he's like a non-touch kind of person. I don't know. That's one thing yeah, I heard. Yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah. Especially when that scene when he's butt that butt ass naked. <laughs> <laughs> and the lady's like, How do you not? There's some weird touching going yeah. on. <laughs> I think that's the only trivia I I know. I can't think of any. Okay, else. that's no, I like that. That's a good one. That's like a hidden. You watched the commentary, didn't you? That's what it was. No, actually, <laughs> I know what's commentary. funny is I actually heard that from my mother, which is I was it's probably like <laughs> one of the many times I was watching it. She's like, "Did you know?" Because that's how she is. <laughs> well, thanks, Jess's mom, for that little piece of trivia. Thanks, that's Lisa. Good. Uh, a couple ones. One here, I thought another one. We talked about Sharon Stone, but. Apparently, Kim Basinger also turned down the role for Harriet. So she was up. Now, we had a pretty deep discussion on had, would, would she have been more sinister and conniving I, or I actually would be more on the Kim Basinger side. I could go with that, too. Because what was the – wasn't she on Tommy Boy? Was that Kim Basinger? No, Is, that's not Kim. So Kim Basinger, she's in Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's got that likability thing, too, though. But yeah. I, I could see her. Because she's more sweet. Yeah. Eh, I, I could see her flipping though. I could see her being sinister. Yeah, I like her better. She is just so dead set against Sharon Stone. I've watched it enough times that I, my mind's trying to put it in. I'm like, no, she'd suck. Sorry, I just don't think she'd get, be Tony, a good fit. It, it, it would work. It would There's work. no question. It would definitely in my mind. work. <laughs> <laughs> um, Meyer's performance of Stuart McKenzie is based on mannerisms of his own father. So, oh, I did just, know that one. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. That makes sense too, right? I'm kind of curious if the house setup is reflective of his dad <laughs> or maybe funny. his his upbringing. That would be interesting to find out. I think it's got to be at least to a degree, right? Like he's pulling little references, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Like him, um, and then the last dusting the. Go ahead. Him dusting the um, pictures of. Uh, now I can't remember. It's like the stars of where are they from? Scotland. Scotland. It's like all the Scotland stars. The the Wall of Fame. The Wall of Fame, and he's dusting it. (laughs) (laughs) And then we kind of mentioned this before, but a lot of big cameos. uh, Charles Grodin, Phil Hartman, Michael Richards, which we didn't talk about, Mm -hmm. makes a little cameo in it as well. And then, of course, you have the Alan Arkin as the uh, chief, the, 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 the chief officer. So, yeah. So for me here, I'm going to sum it up for me and then I'll give you a little bit of my rating here. Um, I think the movie's fun. It does carry a little bit of nostalgia for me as well, just because I grew up as a teenager, like a youngster watching it with friends. And so like it kind of it's reminiscent, like it takes me back to those little watches on a on a Friday night and a Saturday night with your friends. And so uh, that's there. Rewatching it again. And I'll stick to this as much as Alan might disagree. I think Mike Myers is, I think he's comedically gifted. He's fun to watch. There's something appealing about him. And I do agree that most of that comes out when he's in character of somebody else mm-hmm. and not his natural persona. And that's not a knock on his pers- him. It's just those characters that he builds, I think he builds them really well. Mm-hmm. The father is hilarious. Um, and the little nuances of Wayne in there work for me because at least they sustain the comedic nature of the character throughout the movie. I don't think uh, we look, we look at, look at Mike Myers body of work, his filmography. Like he's not going to care. He's not, he doesn't have to me at least. And I haven't seen it. The Adam Sandler effect. So Adam Sandler can go do crazy ass comedies like Billy Madison, but then he goes and does punch drunk love uncut gems. 
he can carry these other types of performances. And Mike Myers doesn't quite have that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so uh, you're not going to, here's the, here's the deal, Alan, you're not going to get that, that real emotional, dramatic pull from Mike Myers. I True. just don't think you're going to see it. Um, but I like the movie. I think it's fun. It's here's the thing. What I rewatch it. And the answer is yes. Would I rewatch it as much as Jess? The answer is no. <laughs> I think I might be the only one who would rewatch it that many times. With that said, I'll cut. So we have uh, a ten from Jess. <laughs> someone had 10. to. Someone had to break it for you guys. <laughs> well, I was. I was even trying to be like, "You sure you're going full you ten, like, huh?" Ella's like, "Maybe we should reconsider that." But I just, and I didn't even go like as far into like what. There's so many reasons why I love it. I don't know. There's just a million reasons why I love it. So I mean, let's put it in perspective, Jess. Even Greg Luganis, official Olympian diver, never got a 10. It was always like a 9.8 or a 9.9. That's true. <laughs> but I am the, the ultimate optimist. and I love it. Double, double thumbs up to anybody who gives it a good go. <laughs> So, good job. <laughs> I love that. I see. And also, Jess, and you know from listening and talking to Alan, I'm sure when it comes to between me and Alan, I'm usually more of the film apologist as well. In other words, I'm usually rating my my score a little higher because I'm like, they gave it a go, they gave it an effort, <laughs> and it's coming from the filmmaker in me, which is like, it's really hard to do any of this stuff. Yeah. At any level, particularly at the level that they're doing it at, at even if we don't, if, even if we look at it and go oh, it's campy and silly and dumb. It's still hard to do, uh -huh. right? So for me, I like the film. I think it's fun. It's also one that you can watch, uh, like you said, on the certain time where like if you're down or you're out, like you go watch it. It might make you laugh, might make you kind of change your, your attitude a little bit. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm still, and I'm, I'm going to be harder on this one though, Jess. I'm going to be harder <laughs> on this one. It's not my favorite Mike Myers film. So I'm putting that into the curve of the grade. In other words, like Wayne's World is my favorite one by bar none. So I couldn't score it higher than Wayne's World. My score, if I was to think about something like Wayne's World, I would probably fall in at like an 8.1. Okay. Still nice. So it can't be. Yeah, but Wayne's World's. Well, that's a. Well, we'll do another podcast. Yes. Um, I'm going to come in at a. I'm going to come in just a little bit above Alan at a at a 7.2 on So I Married an Ex-Murderer. And it's a little higher than I probably would have given when we started talking about this an hour and plus ago, uh, an welcome. hour and a half ago. <laughs> you, you got You're him to welcome. bring his rating up, Jess. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Jess's optimism just came through the computer screen and, and bumped it up like 0.4 points. <laughs> Good job. Yay. <laughs> You corrupted Gabe. Congratulations. <laughs> I corrupted him with positivity. Yes, you corrupted him with your cheery, positive nature. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Jess, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for choosing such a fun film. Although I can't agree with your 10.0 score. <laughs> it was a blast to have you on. So thanks for being part of it. Thank you so much. I feel very lucky that I got invited on. Thanks, guys. And Alan, as always, it's it's a pleasure. Same. This this is fun. This is fun to talk well, uh, talk a movie that's not so, you know, uh, intellectual. You can you can let go a little bit more. 
Yes, those are you. We need all. We need the spectrum of films. Agreed. We can't just talk about Criterion Collection forever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys being on. This is uh, Gabe, Allen, and Jess with the Tame Aperture Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, go ahead and jump it over to TameAperture.com for previous episodes and uh, suggestions on future episodes. And uh, we'll get you on the next uh, podcast. Thanks, everybody. The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube. Open the pod bay doors, Tom. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Well, of course.